Welcome, dear listener, to Astonishing Tales of the Highly Improbable. I'm your host, Lloyd Allen, and this is the New Albion Orchestra. Salutations, dear listeners, and welcome to yet another astonishing tales of this turd of a city. This week, we're going to yeet to you another fine episode of our fascinating tale of... Uh, why are you laughing? Yes, I said yeet. I'm sure I used it correctly. You know, I often find myself in many strange narratives with all sorts of colloquial slang, and I'm a bit of a chameleon in my ability to adapt... Not so much as ravey, but I do pick up the hip mod jargons of various social groups and youth culture. Yeet is just another example, albeit a rather moronic one, but I have carefully researched its meaning and I am quite confident that my use of it is correct. I am yeeting it out there to connect with our youth demographic. They will hear it and feel at ease, feel someone out there gets them and like little moths congregate around my flame, thus expanding this radio broadcast to the numbers I need to really start planning something interesting. I shall be their lamp, if you will, and Yeet will be our rallying cry. Now, if we can return to our script. This week's episode is brought to you by Harlan's Hardware, where all your building needs are taken care are you going to interrupt me the entire time? What? What do you mean Harlan's hardware isn't there anymore? Blown up? Goodness me. Well, there is a war on. What do you mean it isn't a war? Momentary terrorist activity, my mahogany behind. You're listening to your idiot government's propaganda. In case you haven't noticed, your momentary terrorist activity has been going on for over a year and is now just really starting to ramp up over in a couple months. You've noticed a couple of months have already come and gone since they started using that line, and it's not over. I hate to break it to you, but you have a full-scale civil war on your hands. Yes, I did hear that traitorous soldier that started it all has been arrested. I'm not so sure he isn't dead yet. I imagine they have a conundrum. If they make a show of killing him, they could create a martyr. The smart move is a quiet bullet to the head. Of course, it won't do anything. He's not the terrorist leader. They're lying to you. He's just a disgruntled, disillusioned expatriate with the balls to actually do something. There's no secret terrorist organization funded by the city of Elias. Your government sucks, and people are pissed. Plus, I hate to break it to you, but those voodoo punks aren't all gone. They've just been... Calm down. No, I didn't forget it's illegal to speak their name. Relax, no one is going to break down the door. No one can reach this place. Someday I will explain the concept and wonderful art of pocket realities and bubbles. I could have built this in a month back when I was properly fitted in a flesh body. This took seven years, but I assure you, we are unreachable by anyone other than, well, 
someone of the type I would very much like to contact. But I am despairing of that actually happening. I've thought of utilizing those voodoo imbeciles. Their magic has uses, but their resources are sad. They're like vagabonds, paupers. And did I mention they're imbeciles? Still, I may try to reach out to one of them. Maybe this Jacqueline twit. The government, on the other hand, they have significant resources. They are actually dangerous, though. Fascist morons are like tempestuous toddlers with a handgun. But my God, what I could do with their propaganda machine. They don't even comprehend the possibilities. Ugh, this entire narrative is a train wreck. Hmm? Ah, yes, the broadcast. Right. Oh, come, wipe that look off your face. You're learning more than you even realize. Ugh, if only I could flower you. Ah, if only you were human. Well then, no Harlan's Hardware, uh, no sponsor for this week's show. Do we even have some pocket change we can use to fund this? We need more money. This city is devolving into chaos. A good heist could be advantageous. Hmm. This week I'll head over to a certain club to buy some cigarettes. That girl is oddly well connected. Ah well. Nothing to be done about it now, sponsor or no sponsor. Here is this week's episode of Jill and the Ghost, Part 3, Yawn. The ragged but jovial Commedia dell'Art troupe pulled their small caravan into the great northern field. It was a good spot to set up a show for the next two weeks in order to attract the fine folk from the neighboring villages. On the other side of the field was a henge, still used for religious ceremonies. This spot had been kind to them in the past, and with the summer solstice almost upon them, the troop was looking forward to a fine engagement. Little Jan accompanied his father as they took care of the horses and set up the staging area. After getting settled, some members of the troupe put on some light costuming in order to go into town, walk through the streets, and not so subtly announce their arrival and upcoming run of shows. Jan was too uncomfortable with the idea of heading into town and preferred to stay in the field with the caravan. Over the next few days, he would explore the field, nearby forest, and become quite taken with the henge. During the performances, he would often head to the henge to play. As the troops' performances caught on over the next few days, various town folks set up stands selling food, alcohol, and other simple village merchandise. The performance area, turning into a small makeshift fair, was the ideal situation for the troupe, and they happily ran three performances a day. Jan had seen the various variations of the show more times than he could count, and so often wandered off. The troupe's performances were never set. Townfolk could come back and see an entirely different show. The nature of Commedia dell'Art was that there were set characters who had predictable behaviors, attitudes, and even catchphrases. The plots, however, worked differently. The troupe kept a book listing about 37 different scenes, divided into three groups, opening, middle, and ending. Granted, only a few of the troupe could actually read, 
but it was enough to keep track of what was added to the repertoire. The scenes could be rearranged at will to form different plays, and all members of the troupe were well-skilled at improvisation. Different arrangements favored different social or political satires, depending on the mood of the place they were playing. Little Jan knew the entire repertoire, despite his young age of seven, and was expected to one day run his own troupe. He was being taught to read and write, something mostly only highbrow children knew. He was the child of the entire troupe, and he was quite happy in his life. Still, the performances sometimes bored him, so off he wandered to explore the surrounding area. Although he visited the Henge every evening, this night was different. This night was the solstice, and it was occupied. A group of villagers were there, dressed in hooded robes, carrying torches which they set up around the Henge. They were chanting and dancing. Jan was able to recognize the ceremony as being somewhat religious in nature, but it wasn't any type of mass he had ever encountered. He was frightened, but his curiosity overwhelmed his fear. He crouched and crept up close. The ceremony grew to a feverish pitch. The wind blew and the air smelled otherworldly. Finally, there was a great flash and upon the central rock there were three creatures Jan had never seen before. They looked like what he could only think of as his elves. They were not so small, but they were slightly shorter than regular people, with strange eyes and ears, a complexion that was a color he couldn't quite describe, and clothes unlike anything he had seen before. They were growing rat tails, and their legs were rather rat-shaped, as if they were slowly transforming into rats, but their top part hadn't caught up. Before he could get a closer look, a net was thrown over them and they were captured. The great central rock was moved aside, revealing an enormous pit, and the elves were placed into the space below. Jan ran home. He didn't sleep much that night, as he kept thinking about the events. He was almost too terrified to return but his curiosity was now insatiable. Over the next few days, he mostly spied small groups coming and going. Usually it would be three men and one woman. They'd come, move aside the great round stone, and descend into the hole using a winding staircase that hugged the sides. They'd leave afterwards, the woman smiling and hugging her stomach, he heard words he didn't understand, like studying our lasses and magical offspring. One night, when no one was around, Jan crept up to the stone itself. He called down inside, and to his horror and delight, the creatures answered him. They spoke to him, mostly begging him to free them. They promised to befriend him and bestow gifts of magic upon him. They were kind but scared, and Jan wanted to help them. He ran to his father and the others and told them there were people trapped under the stone. The troop hurried to help. When they saw it was a henge and that the stone was the central altar, they slowed and gave each other nervous glances. Ethelinda said that they should leave well enough alone and this twerent no one's business. Others agreed, but Jan's father called down and the creatures answered. They talked to the troop, and soon five of the men were moving the stone aside. 
The townsfolk returned while this was happening, however, dressed in their robes again. They shouted angrily as they approached and saw what the troop was doing. What happened next would always be a blur in Jan's mind. The robed figures drew knives and mayhem ensued. There was shouting and screaming and fighting and blood. At some point in the melee, the three elves, or whatever they were, squeezed through the opening and briefly joined the fray. One went up to Jan and placed his hand upon Jan's forehead. It glowed, as did Jan, and the creature told him he always kept his promises. As the screams of the battle grew louder and more uncomfortable, the creatures ran off into the woods. At the end of it all, a few robed figures ran back to town. Most everyone lay dead, corpses littering the henge. Most of the troop had been killed, as had many of the robed figures, although none of the women Jan had seen come to the stone were present. Jan stood alone in the center of the carnage, shaking. It seemed to him almost as if he alone had survived, but soon enough he saw his own little body laying there too. It was dead, and Jan knelt beside it for a long, long time. Well, there we go. Another exciting episode. I don't know why I have to deliver the same speech every show. There's got to be a way to record one's voice and just play it back so that I can just say... Wow, what a great show, and now we have another song by a member of our new Albion Orchestra. Um, well, one day. So, there you go, what a great show, and now we have a song performed for you by one of the members of our new Albion Orchestra. I would die for you, I would die for you I've been dying just to feel you by my side To know that you're mine I will cry for you, I would cry for you I would wash away your pain with all my tears drown your fears I will pray for you I will pray for you I will sell my soul for something pure and true for someone like you See your face every place that I walk in Hear your voice every time that I'm talking You won't believe in me And I will never be ignored I will burn for you 
feel pain for you. I would twist the knife and bleed my aching heart and tear it apart. Violate all the love that I'm missing, blow away all the pain that I'm living. You won't believe in me. I will never be ignored. I would lie for you, beg and steal for you. I will crawl on hands and knees until you see. You're just like me. I would die for you, I would kill for you, I would steal for you, I'd do time for you, I would wait for you, I'd make room for you, I'd sail ships for you, to be close to you, to be part of you, cause I believe in you, I believe in you, I believe in you. I will never be ignored.